Guest today is 10-year NBA veteran, the number two overall pick in the 2010 NBA draft, host of Point Forward Podcast and Beyond the Big Ten, Evan Turner. Welcome to In Shambles. Hey, thank you, man. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me, bro. Of course, always. So, as we know, the NBA playoffs are underway right now. I want to know mm-hmm. who you got out of the West and who you got coming out of the East. Man, I got the Warriors out the West, and I got the I got the Souths out the East. We're going we're going to rematch from last year. That's what really? I really, yeah, dude. Sure. I was I, I've been rooting for the Kings, man. Like, yeah. I just want to see some. I want to see some success out of them. Oh, no, no, of course. I love the Kings yeah. too. I think they were unbelievable. I think uh, they had a great. Great chance of winning a series, but I think uh, the momentum's going towards the Warriors, and um, I think they'll be good down the line. I, I really love what they're doing. The Aaron Fox is, you know, a real superstar. I'm a big fan of Kevin Herter. Uh, you know, Malik Monk. That whole team is, is yeah. tight. But uh, I'm here for the, you know, my man Iguodala. You know, watch Steph Curry. You know, finish his career. You know, in a yeah. in a dope fashion. So first round isn't really, you know, what I want to see from him. Right off in the sunset for Steph. Yeah, for sure. So, who do you got winning the finals then? If you got Warriors Celtics. Ah, uh, that's a, that's a that's up in the air, man. To be it's, a it's a tough it's question. It's a tough question. It's such a tough question, and, and I feel like uh, I feel like the Celtics have what they need. You know, I think they got the experience last year. Um, I think they're you know just another year better. I think they're you know their depth is there. You know, it's hard to really match up with that three guard. The defense, everything uh, that they have, they bring to the table. I think it really comes down much to last year with the superstars too. And um, you know, you see Tatum. Uh, you know, media wise, so making good, man. yeah, he's, he's so, so good. good. But me, and, and it's a great, great platform. He's been making his way media wise. Every time you turn on the TV, he's on the TV, on the television. So to go up against the Golden Child, Steph Curry, and a, you know, bring home yeah. a championship, I think that'll really be the passing of the torch. I think if they're going to do it, it's got to be this year. Same could go yeah. for the Sixers, though. I think if the nah. Sixers are ever going to do it, it has to be this year. Yeah, I it just don't to. see it, man. That the, the Sixers is always a good matchup for the Celtics, always. Yeah. Like, literally yeah. always. Like, in every aspect and in every shape, form. So, I, I, I just don't see it. I'm a, I want Embiid MB to win uh, MVP. I'm a big fan of Doc Rivers. I love how James Harden is hooping. And you know I'm a fan of George's Niang as well, but I just I don't I just don't see it at all. I feel like it's time to start considering how good of a coach Doc Rivers is. He's won one, look he's won one championship, awesome. A lot of coaches haven't, but like you haven't yeah. succeeded with with that roster and that talent with Joel Embiid. It just kind of it kind of makes me wonder a little bit. Yeah, I get I guess if I said this last year, where else are they going to go? You know what I mean? If you don't get a, uh, that's what I'm saying. Like what what's better than a Doc Rivers for that team? And that's not like a regular like NBA team where it's like maybe the Milwaukee Bucks where you have superstars, but you don't really have superstars. Like there's mentalities and personalities that like only certain coaches can handle and like and be comfortable in that environment. You understand what I'm saying? And, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, it's just like don't don't trade out unless you, you know what I mean. It could be like Definitely. the you know the Michigan Michigan effect with Jim Harbaugh. It's like they should have been fired on, but they didn't. Now, now he's a top five program. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, you stick with it. Yeah. So another matchup that's going on in the playoffs right now, at the time we're recording, is the Lakers and the Grizzlies. I'm sure you've been keeping yeah. up with it. How yeah. sustainable is John Morant's style of play, in your opinion? 
Man, I don't know. I I was a big fan of uh, I'm a big fan of his, but the way he goes up and just you know how guys play and everything, all it takes is one hit, and he's taken off uh, you know three or four times high fly you know every single night over an 82 game season. You already seen him come back from the hand injury, which was crazy. Luckily, when Brian took the the charge, it didn't really hurt him, but that looked crazy as well. So I mean, it's, it's definitely something to really uh, keep in mind of and, and be cognizant of, but. I hope it's yeah. long, but it's it's tough. What, what do you think? Duh. So, I mean, coming from you, you, you broke your back in college, correct? We'll, we'll yeah, get into yeah, that yeah, a little correct. later. But yeah, like, yeah, yeah. like you said, one you fall one you fall wrong once and you're done. You could yeah. be done. I mean, yeah. I, I don't think it's sustainable. His hops are insane. Similar to my hops, some would say. Yeah. But I heard. <laughs> yeah, everybody's been talking about it uh off the podcast. But <laughs> I mean, I just thought, I don't think it's sustainable past a couple more years. At some point, I see his knee giving out, unfortunately. That's, I, I could see it. And one, like you said, one wrong fall, and it could all come crumbling down. Yeah, true. But I think one thing that occurs, uh, I think he's been learning the game at a high level. If you, if you break it down, he's a very good playmaker. Um, yeah. You know, his shot's developing, so there's ways he can make it happen. But, yeah, definitely one thing that, uh, you know, playing four or five inches above the rim is, is definitely getting them six to eight points extra a game. Dude, I'm, I, in my own opinion, I'd be lucky to have four or five inches, you know what I'm saying? Um, <laughs> but anyways, yeah. So you said Joel Embiid is your pick for MVP. Yeah, for Can sure. Can anyone stop him? Can anyone stop him? Man, I don't know. I, obviously, you see the Brooklyn Nets. It took two, two or three guys to try to stop him and get the ball yeah. out of his hands. But you ever seen him in person, man? He's like 7'2". He's like one of those creative players that you make on the game. You know what I mean? Yeah, he can do it all. He's, doing he's everything. got a jumper, handle, post work. You know what I mean? He's, he's pretty good defensively, but the confidence is there. And, you know, he knows who he is. And, uh, you know, the way that team and that city rallies around him gives him a lot of strength. But... You know, I don't know if it's enough to take out the, the Celtics. I think, I think uh, Tatum is going to uh, overpower that series and outshine. And Al Horford always somehow, some way has a beast damn number. Shot. Yeah, bro, but he always makes like a big shot. Always. Even last night. Always. They're up, they're up three, kick it to the corner. Hits a three in the corner for, for, for the six-point lead. Like big it's shot, ridiculous. big plays, man. He's, un- he's uh, unbelievable, man. God, he's so handsome, too. <laughs> so. Throughout your career, you've never been afraid to kind of shy away from talking to other players, talking to the media, saying whatever you want, in my opinion. Who's a better trash talker, Draymond Green or Dylan Brooks? Man, to be honest with you, I, I think uh, I think Dylan Brooks, man. It's something really? that's going on. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I, I just think now, you know, I, we're so used to Draymond Green. And, you know, obviously we've been seeing it for 10 years. So I think maybe it's a fresh new voice. It's something that's cool. I mean, I think Dylan Brooks doesn't uh, – you know, it's a different level. Dylan Brooks isn't at the level that Draymond Green was when he was trash yeah. talking. So I think that is what makes it way cooler and way more courageous because you see him chopping up with yeah. Steph Curry. LeBron, they don't talk LeBron. trash to LeBron, Dame Lillard. Now, I mean, obviously it, it gets them cut and, you know, gets them in certain <laughs> situations. But you still rep- – you know, you, you still really appreciate the competitive nature in them. And, uh yeah. I, I don't think without that type of mindset, the Grizzlies will be where they're at. Like, don't act like, you know, we were playing on the Grizzlies being this good this soon. You know what I'm saying? They they literally yeah. start out year one making noise. 
Definitely. And it's funny because he was saying, like, oh, the media is trying to make me into a villain. But when you're trash talking some of the myth, the faces of the NBA, yeah, you're going to yeah, be yeah, made yeah, as course, a villain. Of course, of course. But I what mean, killed even, me, man, what, yeah. what killed me was that he, like, deleted everything off his Instagram, unfollowed the Grizzlies. I don't know if you saw that. That's um, crazy. Now, I don't. I was like, bro. Sometimes with players and everything, it's almost like, man, cause I, I was the same way, but it's like, bro, it's never that serious. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, sometimes you got to take a step back to be like, bro, this, this shit is not that damn serious. And then just move on, because when you look back on it, it's like not talking to media, you know, erasing everything off your, off your social media and trying to duck and dodge. Like, who? it's just a basketball game, bro. You, you getting money, yeah. you fly, you living. You know what I'm saying? It's a bad look, too, if you're trash-talking LeBron and then can't own up and talk to the media, though. Look, I, yeah, I've no. never been in the locker room. I've never been in the locker room, but I can't imagine, like, I, if you got to talk to the media if you're the one talking the most shit. Yeah, no, of course. And also, too, just be like, you said what you said. Like, who's the media? Like, you got LeBron yeah. sexuals that are, like, sitting there, like, harassing people every time <laughs> you say anything but, like, all hell to king. And it's like, nah, bro, you're trying to do something magnificent. You're trying to knock, take out the goat. Like, you got to be courageous. You got to be, you know, you, you got to be somewhat, you know, delusional to do so. But you also got to be, you know, your own best friend and, you know, really uh, believe in it. And I thought Dylan Brooks was believing they could beat him. And, you know, you just got to really follow up with, you know, who cares if you're the villain, quote unquote. You feel me? Yeah, stick with it. Got to stick yeah. with it. So we were talking about it a little earlier. You're the host of Point Forward Podcast with current warrior and former teammate of yours, Andre yes, Iguodala. Yeah, How yeah. do you feel about the new media term and players having their own podcast? I was just saying this earlier. I think it's, uh, I think it's so necessary because um, in this day and age, uh, you know, you, you can no longer shut up and dribble and you have to paint your own narrative. You know what I'm saying? And uh, right. I think that's the freedom of um, having these platforms, having social media, and, you know, um, the the evolution of the athlete as well. And uh, I feel as though there's a lot of nonsense that goes out, um, you know, most of the time. It's like what uh, Bobby Knight says, journalism is one step above prostitution. Because <laughs> at the end of the day, people will write anything for a story, you know, jump on any side for a story and, uh, you know, not really worry about the character and image they're, they're portraying of an individual. And that's that person's life. So. I think, uh, you know, everybody appreciates it even more when you hear it right out the horse's mouth as well. Yeah, definitely. It's not hearing it from a source. It's, it's directly yeah, from the horse's yeah, mouth, like you said. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. If you were on the Warriors and you guys just lost a tough playoff game, you wake up and you see a new episode of the Draymond Green podcast, would you be like, would you be pissed? I would not be pissed because you, you got to think. It's, it's different mentalities, man. Uh, the Warriors have seen so much. It's, equ- it's equivalent to when Draymond got kicked out of game two. Yeah. Goes and stands and hypes up the crowd. And, you know, that's Draymond. I think that's, uh, you know, what his identity is. And uh, I think that shows, like, a little bit of confidence. I like the swagger of the Warriors. It's like, man, everybody else would be nervous. You see guys ducking and dodging interviews, yeah. sitting there, like, walking around with their head down until they show up to get a, you know, get another win. And then both Body say not. Yeah, yeah, say not. Keep that same energy. Keep that same confidence. And I think uh, – the same Draymond that got kicked out in Memphis last year and came back and reported live from the Draymond Green show yeah. is uh, the same Draymond and part of the same team and culture that was down 0-2 on the road in Sacramento and, and are about to close out the, the Kings. 
he truly he truly doesn't care what anybody else says, which I, I do respect that about him. But his recent episode, he was talking about Harrison Barnes, who he's currently playing against, and he was yeah. telling like a really personal story. He's like, Harrison invited everybody on the team but me to his wedding. And I'm like, bro, like what what does that matter? Like it's a yeah, personal like, story, like yeah, yeah but that's life. It don't pay to be an asshole, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And like and that's just it. And you call it what it is, you know what I mean? And then uh it's called what it is. Who cares? You don't get invited to the wedding. And then I heard yeah, Trey like, Mon- Yeah, I heard Trey Mon's wedding was lit, and I don't think Harrison was there. So it, it is what it is. I don't think he's as likable as he thinks he is. <laughs> At least to some people, man. I mean, I, hey, that, that's my personal nah, that's thought. Real. That's real. That's yeah. real. Hey, we all got to, let me say, we all think we're 20% better than what we are. Yeah. Uh, hey, we, I, I, fall, I fall victim to it, too. <laughs> You're going to love this one. Portland paid you $70 million. I'm sure you remember that. I'm sure you will remember that for the rest of your life. You were coming off a season where you averaged nearly 10, 5, and 5. Do you think you got overpaid for that? Nah, because I damn near played them two seasons for free. So, like, no, I don't think I got overpaid for that. I think, uh, I mean, I played on a playoff team. I think, uh, when I'm, yeah, which wasn't supposed to be a playoff team. I mean, I had... When you do my numbers throughout that uh, situation, they're doing pretty well for a guy coming off the bench in a six, you know, six man position. I was one of the finalists for six man a year. That year, I had three triple doubles in a month, which was like a record in Celtics history. I had tons of other records to be done with, and um, I, I think like the possibility of what you were looking for at that time, Chandler Parsons was averaging 15 points a game, and, and y'all gave him 150 something million. All right then, so my little. Ten- no, but that's my man's and get paid. But I, I just think what they're trying to go after and what they're looking for along with the, the, the market and how it rose up. No, I don't think so because the possibility of had we ran the system a certain type of way, um, you know, it could have been a triple-double machine out there. But I, I, to be honest with you, I thought I, I played for free. And I thought, like, there was points in time when I didn't get an extension. There was people in extensions that had exact identical numbers as me and – um. I think like a narrative and a media point and you know, the analytics kicked in for me that didn't work in my favor. So, so when I looked at the 70 million, it was like, no, fuck y'all. It's about that time. Cause I was supposed to be, I was supposed to bend this rich. Like I was supposed to be richer. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like while all my other peers had got a bag, like going through their second year, I played two years for no disrespect to anybody, but like for 6 million. That was like, while leaving India, I was supposed to get an $8.7 million qualifying offer. Like, nah, dog, like, all while playing like 30 minutes a night. If I play 30 minutes a night, I'm I'm important. I'm valuable. Kiss my ass. You, you understand what I'm saying? And like, but that's but that's just how the game goes. It's like, say what you want. If I'm playing 18 minutes, sure. If I'm playing 15, like, no, I'm playing 30, 31 minutes a night. I'm in big shots down the stretch. I'm I'm leading the second unit in certain situations. Like, call it what it is. It's just like you have to play a role. Definitely. I hope you hold some of that money later. Um, yeah, for sure. I got it. Of course, bro. Of course. Um, going on Chandler Parsons, man, I, he was so good. And it's not like it was a dec- – I don't really know what happened. seems like it was injuries, but – Yeah, it's probably just injuries. He, I think at the time he deserved that contract. And I think in your situation, you were playing extremely well in the playoffs. I think you came in for Rondo and Marcus Smart got hurt. That's correct. Yeah, now, so actually um, – what was it? I came in Marcus Smart's uh, rookie year, and uh, Rajon Rondo actually uh, 
he got traded halfway off. So my first year, I think we had like 20 players. So we weren't even supposed to make the playoffs. We traded Jeff Green, Rondo. It was literally supposed to be a rebuilding year. We made the playoff as an AC, came back, did the same thing the next year. So we literally won like 43 or 44 games. And, uh, you know, it was my, and Isaiah Thomas came halfway through the year, and we all just shared responsibility. So, you know, it, it's a pretty – it's a pretty cool time of like some underdogs and some uh, forgettables, you know, being able to, you know, band together and really win. And I think uh, if you knew basketball and uh, you go up against, uh, you know, your opposition each night, he would tell you that our team was pretty tough. And, you know, I was I was a load myself. Yeah, it was a fun team to watch, man. And I, yeah. it's sad not seeing IT in the league right now because, yeah, I yeah, mean, he, tough, he was man. different. He was different, man. He no, was different. he was special to be on his team and watch what he was doing night in and night out and how hard he worked and how relentless he was. I mean, he, you know, we were able to do a lot of cool things just with a, you know, a five nine guard. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. And it, it wasn't even like it was a huge defensive liability where you were losing because of that. Like you've, nah, you figured nah. it out. Figured it out. Yeah, no, nah, of course. I mean, that's what a team is. So we all, you know, you got to band together. He did a load of the scoring. We had to do a load of, uh, you know, uh, defense. Yeah, man. I'm always, I'm always handing out loads too. Um, (laughs) so again you signed in portland uh you're good friends with damian lillard throughout your time there do you think it's time for the blazers to move on from dame i think what they need to do is uh you know pick like what dame said you know if it's you know one rookie's enough if you're trying to rebuild young i'm not looking forward to that so i think uh, they really have to pick and choose do they want to you know back up their investment of, you know, $120 million over two years, or do they want to, uh, or I think Dame still owe like $195 million, something along those lines. Yeah, so you want to back that up and, you know, trade. They have a couple of tradable pieces, man. You got Shaden Sharp, Anthony Simons, uh, you know, Grant, you, Nurkic. You have a couple of guys where you could trade out and bring, you know, I don't know who they'll go get, but bring two superstars there where you got to, you know, could do a three-headed monster for the most part, but... I think they have to pick and choose, man, because Dame's talent is is too great in his prime time. Um, when it comes down to uh, moments like this for playoffs, and even when you think about certain situations where if Dame was interchanged in that pos- position, he probably could have had a couple championships as is, you know. Yeah, and I I think in my you know the way I see it is Dame is obviously loyal. He's told us millions of times, and people give him shit for it. But I think at this point. I think he'd be okay if he got traded, but he's never going to mm-hmm. ask for it, which is fair. He's never going to yeah, ask no, which for is, it. Oh, which is fair. When you break it down, I mean, it's hard to like, you know, one thing about Damian Lillard is his confidence, you know what I mean? And I think, uh, you know, when you talk to him, he really thinks he's going to a championship, and that's not like just talking. Like, you really sit there and you believe it. So I think with a guy that has that type of work ethic, that type of faith and ability, like, he doesn't have a, you know, a what if situation he's just like man i got one more like i'm one step away from getting to my goal and you got to really respect that and um the talent he has man like why don't you believe it i mean i've, I've seen him where we were supposed to be like last or second to last in the west and we win the division and finish third and make it to the western conference finals and you know you know the way he you know re- have really missed playoffs at certain moments in time where it's like you know he really leaves and carries teams when, when dame's on he's on no, he's unbelievable. And uh, at this point, man, it, you, you're like watching a master at work when it comes to scoring. That dude is uh, not missing much. 
he gets he's damn near shooting it from the parking lot and and shoot he's he's just sick with it he's wild he's wild Stephen mm-hmm. a smith said the other day that the clippers should blow it up trade Kawhi, trade paul george just start fresh what are your thoughts on that do you think the clippers no. should blow it up Nah, absolutely not. Because those, where, where, like I said, where else are you gonna go? Where could you go get? You know what I mean? If you go get something decent, cool. But at the same time, like Kawhi Leonard's still one of the best players in the world. Paul George still yeah. one of the best players in the world. Um, Paul was an all star. Kawhi literally is an assassin when he's healthy. You know, and um, yeah. I think uh, also as well they're gonna be opening up that new arena, right? Yeah. So, I mean, you got to kind of, this is a business now, too. You got two Cali kids, and, you know, Stephen A. Smith is a long way away from, uh, you know, streets of L.A. and how people how people feel towards those two individuals because those are, you know, two hometown heroes and two of the yeah. best two-way players in the game and in the past decade. Yeah, man, it's my, the way I see it is you haven't won with them yet. They're both having these injury plague seasons, which, again, it's not their fault. Um, you can complain all you want about load management, but if it's keeping Kawhi healthy and away from these long-term injuries like he just had, sure. Yeah. But like the, the point you mentioned about the stadium, it makes me think they won't blow it up because, yeah, you got to bring in the tickets, you got to bring in the coverage. But offload Kawhi Leonard and Paul George for some picks and start over. Like it, I, well, They're so reaching what, so, the end of their prime, bro. It's just yeah, it's but not so going to what? But what picks, so who do you think you're gonna get? Because you trade for the first pick and go get Victor Wambanyaya, or what you know what I mean? Like, he, <laughs> yeah, but like, 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 you'll, like get a, you, you'll get some first rounders for Kawhi and Paul George, trade them yeah, separately. But the, yeah, but like, do you remember if I was a Clippers, they were in like they were so bad for so long, yeah, I would never ever risk being like, let's start over and see what we can do. I mean, of course, you can get free agents, but damn, like. Nah, I mean, I Steve think, Steve Ballmer's got a bag deeper than Santa, though. Man. Just yeah, that's what I'm saying, and I don't think Steve Ballmer is going to want to sit courtside. He's <laughs> almost like you know what I mean? play. Yeah, like yeah. What, what's old old James Goldstein when uh, they're trying to like when everybody's getting uh what the the COVID virus and he had a bunch of G League players doing the ten days. He's like, oh yeah, yeah, the, yeah, yeah. Just shut the lead down, bro. I'm not trying to watch <laughs> that shit. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean Steve Ballmer's got that. He's got too much pride to blow it up, but whatever. Keep keep finishing short. Keep finishing yeah, short. I mean, if, figure out if, something. Figure out something. I mean, injuries occur. Injuries occur. Yeah. And, and and when you break it down, if you get guys healthy, I think one or two pieces here or there. But, like, Ty Luke can coach his ass off, too. You know what I mean? So it's one of those moments. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, it's it's, it's, a, it's a weird situation. Maybe yeah, we look at the training sure. staff. Maybe the, maybe the medical staff can't get them healthy. You think that's, yeah, that's the case? It. Probably knows, not, man. but maybe. <laughs> probably knows, not. Who knows? It's usually always the player's fault. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Tell, tell me about it, man. Eight under YMCA league blew my knee out. What? When you're eight? Nah, I'm just kidding. But, oh, but I was yeah. about to say, what? <laughs> oh, like I, took off, I took off like Jaw did. And, it just, it just snapped, and basically, you just blew it up, huh? Yeah. You're fine. It's tough. Yeah, Yo, you have your jersey. I'm, re- what were you saying? I was about to say, bro. Um, we talk about all these teams. I, you got the New York Knicks shirt on, man. I, I'm really rooting for the Knicks to make a run. I'm not gonna lie. Really, I love Jalen Brunson's game, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I want to see them. I want to see them in the Eastern Conference Finals. That city of New York. I don't even know how they. Rea- I don't think they yeah, I don't know, know how to react to that. 
Yeah, I mean, last year they had what had a street parade for a home split, and then this <laughs> yeah. year, I mean, now they just. I mean, it, the, the videos coming from it are pretty funny, but it's like mad ignorant. <laughs> They're gonna burn the city down if it happens. Hey, you know what? It'd be it'd be good entertainment. I hope it happens. Mm-hmm. Hope it happens. I like what they're doing. It's good when New York is good at basketball. They're a big market yeah, that yeah, can yeah. actually produce basketball. It's fun to watch. You know? Yeah, we need it for sure. Need it. So you got your number retired at the Ohio State. Yes, sir. What's it going to take for Ohio State to become a basketball school? Is it going to take Brawny coming to Ohio State? I mean, Ohio State is a basketball school. You know, it's just ways, bro. At least uh, during our time, no. we were – we were just there not too long ago uh, having an NIL benefit. And, you know, up until, like, what, 2014, from, like, 06 to 2014, we had, like, six Big Ten titles, like, four Big Ten tournament titles, like, two Final Four runs and Elite Eight, a couple Sweet Sixteen. So, you know, it's a run. And, and you do a past couple of years, we've been in top ten numerous times, top 15, uh, you know, from portions of the season. We just have to win. Um, you know, big fan of Bronny. I think in this day and age, amongst people that uh, – you know, you need those type of names coming in so people can solidify and stamp it and be like, oh, yeah, now this is a basketball school, especially considering the fact that, uh, you know, social media is so heavily synonymous with basketball these days as well. You know what I mean? Yeah, so, I, just, I just can't agree with you in the fact that Ohio State is so a football school. No, I think football is such a big deal. I just like if you yeah. just do the numbers and you go go down and look at it, it's, it's uh past couple of years – Top 10 still, top 15. Uh, you know, we have uh, some of the top players, top recruiting classes in the country. It's just you got to do something in March to make you, you know, be rem- remembered by. And we uh, usually don't make it out the first weekend in the past couple of years. So I-, I think we really have to stream probably like a decade plus consistency of it. You know what I mean? Were you there with Aaron Kraft? I left. Uh, so I left right – I came right before – Right after Greg Oden and left right before Aaron Kraft and Jared Sullinger. So if I would have stayed, Aaron Kraft would have been uh, – probably would have just been backing me up probably. He was a dog, man. He's yeah, no Evan Turner. He's no, Evan, he's no E.T. No, no, but, no but there's a lot he of good players dog. here. I thought during yeah. that time Jared Sullinger was arguably the best player to come out of Ohio State during that time. Um, yeah, John Diebler, he was an all-time three-point – you know, all-time leader in three-point shots in conference history – Day Lighty had like the all-time winners, most wins in NCAA history, and Will Buford's sec- second all-time leading scorer. So, you had some man. ballers come out of there, man. It was, it, it was it was some hoopers for sure. Definitely, definitely. You broke your back in junior year. At yeah. that point, did you think your career was over? Nah, when I broke my back, I thought I had to shit. I'm like, damn, I got to <laughs> shit. You know what I mean? I was like, damn, this shit. <laughs> that's what you were but, thinking? That's man. That was the first thing I thought, but. To be honest with you, I was a kid, you know what I mean? And, you know, I was confident and kind of like delusional in a sense of where you don't think anything's going to happen to you. I, I, after I broke my back December 5th, came back January 6th. You understand what I'm saying? So, like. That's crazy. Yeah, the thought of my career being over made absolutely no sense. You know what I mean? Like, I heard it, but, like, you know, glory be to God or whoever it was, it was just like, nah, this. I'm coming back. We got to win and call it a day. Like, I think after, like, the first few days, I stopped taking my pain meds. And, uh, you know, I was on a, like, couch ridden. But the second I could start walking, I just started dribbling the ball. And I started just dribbling between my legs. And I started, I probably did, like, a week's worth of cardio. 
Um, I was able to do uh, underwater treadmill as well. And I, I basically forced it. I was like, bro, I'm coming right back to play. They say six to eight weeks. I'm coming back in four. And um, I broke my bat December 5th. I, I practiced January 5th, and uh, I played January 6th. That's, that's fucking wild, man. Yeah, yeah. Good yeah. shit. Good shit. Thanks. That is awesome. <laughs> I appreciate it. That also yeah. could have been just like the largest, largest shit you've ever had to take. Yeah. Bruh, man, to be honest with you, shit, in between there, it was just like, I couldn't even sit down. Like, you understand what I'm saying? My whole back just spasmed up. So, like, I, I, don't, even th- I don't even think I thought about shitting for a couple of days. They had to give me some <laughs> stool softeners because I literally, the thought of, like, trying to bend and, like, sit oh, was, like, a, no, a, a no-go for me. <laughs> Dude, I, pull, I hurt my back the other day reaching for some groceries on the bottom shelf. I was getting some rice, some, like, white rice or something. I could <laughs> No, you gotta you gotta start doing that routine. You gotta start doing a morning morning stretch routine. You yeah. a yoga guy? So I'm, I mean, I'm yoga. I just do a lot of stretching, man, just so I can somewhat feel normal. I ain't got time. Like stretching for forty five minutes is aggressive. It's now, like, I only do hot yeah. yoga. I only do hot yoga. No, it makes sense, but at the end of the day, you like drench the sweat and you just dead ass tired, dog. Like that is not. It's cool. Like it's cool, but it's just like some people had that room up too high. In my opinion. Yeah. I, I do my stretching in the bedroom. You know, <laughs> Let's do it right here. All right. That's like, that's like three sex jokes. All right. <laughs> <laughs> a couple more questions here. The year is 2020. It's the height of COVID. Mm-hmm. 22 teams are in the NBA bubble. You played for the Hawks at the time. You were not invited to the bubble. Were you happy that you missed out on it? For me personally, yeah, because I just got traded to the, the, the Timberwolves. And, it, like, obviously they didn't get, like, they didn't miss out on the bubble. Uh, they didn't get invited to the bubble either. So, you know, I wanted to, like, play basketball, but at the same time it was like we were so I, – I really had no realistic position to play. You know, I, I, I was uh, waiting to get bought out and, um, you know, stuff just didn't occur. So I was just, you know, around that time towards the end of my career because I, I retired next, you know, literally six months later. I had mixed emotions towards it because, uh, you know, it, you know, I did ten years in the league. I felt like I had a couple of fun years, but you know, I was I was at the point of like, you know, working so hard and kind of trying to like getting tired of like forcing it to make it work. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And uh, you know, being able to, you know, I, I felt like I was getting to a point where I was adapting to roles and you know keep on adapting to roles where you know I, I almost deteriorated to you know a player that I didn't even recognize and that was kind of like getting on fun and you know showing up to games and shooting three times a game or you know playing like at the end of th- three minutes at the end of each quarter I was like that shit's for the birds like I'm coming to compete and um you know I, I think when that that opportunity of uh you know be like with a glass ceiling above you or above your head, I, I kind of, you know, just just revert back to being like, okay, this is this has been fun. I take it for what it's it's worth. But like, you know, fuck trying to get the game to love me or get, you know, trying to make, you know, make myself fit into a situation or, you know, trying to force force something that's probably not there anymore. You know, you shooting three times a night after you know after a while, it's like, bro, nah, it's just you're just in the way. You feel me? Yeah, it's fair, very fair. Yeah. Do you think LeBron has an asterisk for that bubble championship? Nah, because when you talk to the hoopers and everything, and that's what you have to really take it from, 
a lot of hoopers and some of the best hoopers are like, man, that, that bubble is tough to be in. And to win that bubble really shows you love the game. And, um, you know, I, I, you know I, and I know a lot of people are sitting there getting upset at me when I said if there is a bubble MVP we should, or a bubble, again, we should name that trophy after Brown. But I was being you know, more so serious towards legacy because hopefully a pandemic never happens. But if it does, it's just like a little, like, you know, uh, Neil on a haystack type tight yeah. vibe where you pull out another historic fact of arguably one of the best players ever lived. Yeah, 100%. What do you think it's going to take for LeBron to reach Michael Jordan's status in terms of GOAT? I don't think you ever could, man, to be completely honest with you, in my opinion. And I'm from Chicago, so I'm just biased. Yeah. But, you know, I mean, Jordan's just great, man. He, like LeBron could be the best player ever. MJ's was truly great. He was dominant. He was... Uh, he always came through. I just remember being a kid, and he just seemed like a real-life superhero. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And uh, the legacy he left on the game, just even with the, the swagger, the post-game, you know, the mentality he had, you know, the, the impression he left, the style, the shoes, all that stuff really pay, plays a part. You know, MJ is going to be around forever, forever. You know what I'm saying? And uh, Definitely. His brand, even too. His, yeah, his brand and everything. He's literally, you know, the, the, the GOAT. He's the greatest of all time. I feel like... For my generation and at least the newer generation of basketball fans, watching Steph Curry is the equivalent of your generation watching Michael Jordan. I, I think so. I, I can agree with that. I don't want to say that's it's a it's different. Yeah, and, and I I just I'm just saying in terms of like being amazed every night. By oh what no, you're no, watching, no, absolutely, you know absolutely. Yeah. I I, th- I I I just see that. I can definitely see that in a way. Obviously, people follow LeBron. In a crazy way, but like this cult-like, angelic-like following that Steph has, where it's like there's some type of glaring aura around him. You know what I mean? Yeah. And he really, uh, his confidence, his determination, everything. Like in a way, you know, he's feared. You understand what I'm saying? And he and he's feared. He does it all with a smile on his face. He's like, uh, what's the what's the dude from Game of Thrones, Lannister? Man, he's a golden child. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know what's funny is. Mar- I don't know if you're in Mario Chalmers' clip about nobody feared Braun, but he did it on our yeah. podcast. He did it on wow. our podcast. Yeah. Did you fear Braun personally? I mean, Braun is, Braun is tough, bro. So to sit here and say, like, did I fear Braun personally, like, that's crazy to say because 28, 8, and 8, like, your whole offense and everything, your whole defense yeah. and everything is set towards him, and you definitely comprehend what he's capable of. But I'll give a story uh, about Kobe Bryant that I guess could say the same level. Um, when I walked into the league, I think it was like most space or somebody. I forgot one of my teammates. They were like, before you go out there and shoot, if Kobe's out there, don't look at him. Don't smile at him. Don't, don't, don't look his way. Don't, don't let him see you like staring. Like don't give him any type of edge. Like nothing. Like damn, they're talking about him. Like he was like a real mama, like a real assassin. And I remember being like, wait, what? And he's like, Bro, you heard me. Just don't look his way. And I was like, and anything he does, he's going to try to get like an inside on you. Like, just don't try, just don't do it, bro. And like, that, not saying scary, but I know for sure that was certain type of fear where you say the certain type of level. And if you want to say, like, now that, did I hear that about Brian? Like, no, that wasn't, those are two different type of killers. And yeah. one was like literally a crazy assassin. Another one was like, you know, 
always has a standard and like an elevation that you have to really rise to. And, he, and one thing about Brown, he's, he's always in every game. And uh, I think that's what anybody that's a basketball savant comprehends that he's fearful in that, in that magnitude. I was reading that story that you told earlier. What did Kobe say to you? Oh, to me? Yeah, what did he say to you? Oh, no, no, no. He, he, honestly, he didn't say – he literally asked me how my mom was doing because I had met him uh, – I met him the year before because uh, Rob Palenka's agent was uh, recruiting me. And um, Kobe was like the sweetest dude on earth. He had met my mom, signed a shoe for her and everything. And uh, he just came up to me and said, what's up, young boy? How you doing? How you liking it? And he said, how's your mom doing? And um, that's one thing that was always cool. Even last time I seen him, man, he, he always he checked on me and, um, you know, asked my mom was doing it. And I just remember being like, bro – at a certain point in time, you heard this dude was supposed to be, like, the worst human on earth or, like, you know what I'm saying, you know, the Kobe system and all this and the other. And I just remember telling people, like, man, that dude legit, like, uh, when you're having a bad day, he's seen you. And, uh, you know, getting attention from Kobe made you feel like you're, you know, on cloud nine. And then, you know, even just little things of being like, how's your mom doing? Like, tell her I said hello. It's like, man, that's that's a mamba, like. You know what I mean? Like, he took his time out to you know, really show that type of love. And and that was something, you know, when you look back on it, everybody had those type of stories. But that was uh, that was that was one thing that was cool. And I just remember another time we played my third year in uh, Philly. And um, we were going back and forth. And uh, the game's winding down towards the end. And um, somebody's shooting free throws. And he and I are at half court. And he's like, hey. I seen you been working on that bop. So the midi looking good and everything too. I see you working. And I remember, uh, I, just, I just remember sitting there and being like, damn, like, I, like I, was, I was speechless. I'm like, yeah. But then I'm like, bro, Kobe dead ass said he's seen what I've been doing. Like that is, that was, that was one of those things that was just unbelievable, man. Like, because I remember being eight years old back in Chicago and watching Kobe win a dunk contest. So, and playing Kobe NBA courtside and all that cool stuff. So I'm forever uh, indebted to the Mamba. Full circle. Full circle. Our last segment here. I'm going to read some quotes, and you'll answer true or false to whether or not you said them. All right. All right. This this is going to be fun. This is going to be fun. I'm really excited for this. True or false, when asked (laughs) about becoming the NBA logo, you said obviously a lot more women would be into the game. No, yeah, I said that. I definitely said that. <laughs> nah, Correct. It's, just, it's true. Yeah, now nah, a lot of this, before you, before you get into it, I think you're going to notice, like, my personality switched from Philly to, like, when I got to Boston. And it was based off the media of, like, even when I was being so sincere sometimes, like, the article would just come out bullshit anyways. You know what I mean? Yeah. And at one point, I was like, I remember doing an article where, like, I opened up, gave background and everything on, like, my upbringing, this and the other, and it was met with like, kind of like, kind of like, you know, kind of sending tones. I'm like, you know what? From now on, every interview I do, whatever whatever story I want to tell, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna say it. Like it doesn't even matter. Like yeah, I'm, I'm, nothing matters. I'm, nothing no, that's matters. What I, yeah, that's what I said. Like I'm just gonna say bullshit. They'll no longer. They don't want real <laughs> shit. I'm just gonna sit here and legit enjoy myself with it because there's no point in me being mad at this. And at very worst. I'm getting mad at some lame ass people. Like I'm, I'll be yeah. damned if I'm beefing with a media member. So at that point, I'm like, I'm done with that. I will not have no beef with a media member, nobody whatsoever. They control the pen. I'm just gonna legit. We just gonna have a good time every time we hop on a hop on a microphone. 
That's why. That's why I'm so excited <laughs> that that you came yeah. on the podcast because yeah. clearly what you just said and, and some of these yeah. quotes are my all time favorite quotes in terms of basketball. All right, you ready for the next one? Yeah. True or false? When asked about Kobe's final trip to Boston, you said people will say it's for Kobe, but deep down, it's probably for me. Oh, oh you talking about the standing ovation? Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I do remember that. That was that was just a joke, man. That was that was just a silly little joke that I think just went. It's, went dude, big, I love it, bro. I love bigger it. than what it was, man. But I think we lost that game, man. So Kobe, uh, Kobe earned his rightful uh, celebration. <laughs> God, man, I love it. Okay, ready? Last one here. True or false? On deferring the Jay Crowder for a game winner in 2015, you said you already know where this is going. You said. <laughs> When I was dribbling, I was like, oh, snap. I'm at 15 feet. I'm about to end this. And then I thought about Michael Jordan passing to Steve Kerr. And I thought, well, let me add that to my legacy. I'll pass one time. And that was it. It was unbelievable. Actually ingenious by me. It, it was. I feel like. When you <laughs> it was ingenious. It, it was ingenious. It was ingenious. When you sit there, we looked at the play, how I set it up, dribbled in, threw it behind, shielded two players. Clock running down well enough. I, I thought that was smooth. And I think one thing that occurred, not to toot my own horn, I never got credit for how I played in, in, in pressure situations or clutch moments. So that was just man. another example of what you could do if you had me in in 20 seconds. Yeah, man. Look, I, 20 seconds, that's, that's way more than I get. But you, but you, you do it like this. You, like, you, you go in front of the defender, top of the key, you go, Jay Crowder. No, and when it went in, I'm like, holy shit. I'm like, damn, we just won this. So, I mean, <laughs> you, know, you know what I'm saying? So, it, that, was, that was a big time moment. And, you know, Boston was some of my funnest times. And uh, I guess, like, towards the end of my career, when I was thinking about retiring or not, I was like, if I went somewhere, I'll only probably play for Brad in Boston because those were, like, the only couple years I really had, like, ultimate fun or, like, not even say ultimate fun, but I felt like Brad did a great job of putting players in position to be successful. You know what I mean? And, uh, yeah. You know, Boston was a special city, and, and you know, uh, they were they were electric. You know, fan base is dope. And you ended up uh, joining the coaching staff in 2021, I believe. Yeah, but I didn't like that shit. It was cool, man, but I need a little bit longer break. I, I got the utmost respect for the coaches because, you know, it's really a dark side. You know, when you play as a, a player, you're probably working out four hours a day, you know, and, you know, obviously you might watch film for an hour, a couple of hours, this and the other. But, um when you watch, uh, when you're coaching, you have to really be there early, set the practice up, you know, work, do the individual workouts, stay after practice, watch more film, break down this, coach the game. When we're flying to a different city, watch the game, break down the film, get right back up, have everything, you know what I mean? Be, be ready yeah. to go for the next game. And, uh, fin- and finesse from there. And, and, like, to do all that for, like, a tenth of what you were making playing like nah I'm gonna have to get a little bit more <laughs> humble for that you know what I mean yeah it's a lot of respect though it's a lot of respect to coaches and what they do yeah so they're, they're thorough so it, it, but um you know I, I'm definitely always grateful for Brad he always leaves the door open for me so I appreciate it it's awesome man last thing I want to talk about here I've been listening to Point Forward absolutely love it you and Andre are great why should people listen to it I think uh, one thing it is, is I know everybody says it's not a basketball pod, but it's just not a basketball pod. Uh, you know, I think uh, we do a great job of bringing, you know, culture. I think uh, you can see our on, you know, on mic chemistry, along, pause, along with, uh, you know, we talk business. You know, some of our biggest guests were, you know, 
you know, Robert uh, Smith of Vista. He's the richest black billionaire in America. We had SBF, Sam Bankman Fry, right before the scandal occurred. You know, we had guys like Steve Ballmer on. We had, uh, uh, you know, Eric Wan. You had, we had the uh, creator of Zoom and a lot of great guys. We just dropped with Rick Welts today. We'll have uh, a Rick Rubin uh, interview coming. I think it's uh, just a, a lot of free game you can get off there, and I think it's real conversations. And, um, you know, I, I think we represent something that's more than an athlete, and I think that narrative is very big right now. And um, if you haven't met Andre Iguodala, he's a hell of an entrepreneur. He's a great individual, and he's very, very smart. So when he breaks down that insight on business and starts giving you the free game, you know, you really have to take a note. And I think it's something shocking because the dude's a real scholar. Definitely. I mean, love everything you said there. Make sure you guys go listen to Point Forward. It's on all platforms, correct? All major streaming yes, platforms? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And also go check too, it out. And check out Beyond the Big Ten. Uh, that's my uh, myself and Andre Iguodala. We started Big Ten uh, – basketball platform uh will also be replicated with football so it consists of uh some of the best players at the school you know ever played at those schools so for instance for the ohio state we have aaron Kraft, jared selinger david lighty um adam jardy they're doing a pod at michigan state you have travis uh walton and um, raymar morgan from michigan you have nick stauskas uh Stu douglas from indiana you got big shot christian watford Derek elston so we have, and, you know, even from Wisconsin, you have Jordan Taylor and, and, and those type of guys. So you have a few alma maters, a uh, few players. We're legends at the alma maters chopping up, talking weekly uh, basketball. So we have some dope stuff coming for that. Awesome. Go check it out. Beyond the Big Ten, all major streaming platforms. Evan, thank you so much for coming on, man. It's an incredible episode. For everybody listening and watching, we'll see you next time. <laughs>